I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Hello, welcome to Jules Says. I'm Jules Julie. All opinions and perspectives on this podcast are mine, unless I have a guest, and today I don't. It's just me. Oh, I just got home from a work party, not my current work, they're 100% remote. This is from one of the companies I worked for years ago when I first moved to Toronto. Oh my God. One of the things I love about consulting is I get to meet all these different people. And you know, even if I don't keep in touch with them regularly, it was so nice to see them. One of the gals is leaving after 18 years. I'm like, 18 years? You're 25. No, she's not 25. She's quitting her job to travel abroad. What a gift. I ran into all these people I loved working with back in the day. So if you're listening and you were there, I was so happy to see you. It was so great. If you haven't heard my Christmas album yet, Jewel Sings, I'll Be Drunk for Christmas, please give it a try. Tis the season. It's available on all streaming platforms, so no excuse, unless you think you'll be offended, so don't listen if that's the case. It is explicit. But otherwise, give it a try. If you think you'll be offended, maybe you can just stream it and put it on mute so that you don't have to hear it, then I'll get the streaming credits. Whatever. I performed a three-song set at the Comedy Bar in Toronto this week, last Saturday, in Aiden O'Loughlin's sold-out show, Thirst Trap. The songs I did were I'll Be Drunk for Christmas, The Most Dangerous Time of the Year, and Oh Horny Night. The audience was great, even though I was so nervous, even though I messed up some of the words. I kept getting myself tangled up with the extra-long mic cord. I was nervous. Abe, my daughter Carrie, and her husband Ally, and one of my friends, Sprinkles, were there. And I'll be performing again this coming Sunday, December 17th, 
Yes, at the Comedy Bar. I'm not sure of the name of the show. Natalie Norman is hosting it, so I will be sure to announce how to get tickets when I find out. Whew, a couple of weeks ago, my guest, Carolyn Kelly, shared her experience with trying to emigrate from Canada to Ireland. And I have an update. Her visa to move to Portugal has come through. Woohoo! I'll have a friend in Portugal to visit soon. Not that that matters. I don't seem to visit. I don't seem to make the time to visit my friends. I have someone in Norway to visit. I have other people in the UK to visit. When I go to see Catherine, I just go to see Catherine. Ooh, hopefully I'll get there before it's too late. And by too late, I actually mean before I'm dead. I try to live life like I'm going to die because I am going to die. Hopefully not in the near future. Speaking of Ireland, I heard from a few people about the episode about Carolyn's emigration to Ireland. And not just about Ireland, but about immigration in general. One woman agreed that sometimes the women are worried about their men. Another said her Irish relatives still disparage her English husband after 20 years. That is ridiculous and sad. You cannot blame people for the acts of their governments, particularly historical acts of their governments. Maybe they were quote-unquote joking, but even if that's the case, repeatedly joking with insults, even micro-insults said with a smile and a laugh, can be wearing after a few years. Eventually, you start to walk on eggshells, trying to anticipate the little digs. Are those your dad's shorts? Did you shit in a bag and wipe it on your eyes? Did that dress fit you when you bought it? No one wants to hear about that. Why would you wear that? You know, nothing huge. But after years of these little comments, you just kind of start to feel on edge when you're around people like that. If you try to say something, maybe finally you've decided to let the person know it bothers you or their comments feel unkind. The reaction isn't necessarily a consideration for how you feel, but rather indignation at your ridiculous oversensitivity. If someone told me, and they have, that my comments made them uncomfortable or were hurtful, I would absolutely listen, apologize, and try to change. In fact, I have done that. Sometimes it takes courage to let people know how you feel. You don't want to rock the boat. So if someone tells you something like that, the least you can do is listen and try to examine the possibility that they have a point. Over the past week, I've been thinking about whether or not I'm sexist. I can say with certainty that I used to be sexist. There was a time in my life when I accepted that what a woman wanted didn't matter, that we weren't supposed to have a career. We weren't supposed to make enough money to live without a husband. We were supposed to really just want to get married, that it was entirely our responsibility to keep our husbands happy and keep ourselves safe from dangerous people, keep ourselves safe from lecherous men. It was our responsibility to look after the house, the children. Anything a husband or father did was a generous gift. It was our job to make them happy. Anything they did was not their responsibility. They only had to go to work. I saw nothing wrong with Darren Stevens in Bewitched 
demanding that his wife Samantha do all the housework manually and not use her magical powers. I bought into all of it. That's just the way it was. So yeah, I was definitely sexist. Of course, we all change, and over the years, I, of course, changed. I didn't like being paid less than my many, many male colleagues. I've worked with a lot of men. I didn't like feeling guilty for going to work. I didn't like getting into trouble at home for being on call or working overtime or even wanting to take extra classes. I didn't like seeing how my mother and other women were treated disrespectfully. I resented being told I was aggressive in a male-dominated workplace just because I looked people in the eye and spoke to them directly. But I grew stronger. I read more about the world. It wasn't just my own experiences. I learned. I evolved. And I'm still learning and evolving. But... Did I somehow morph from being a misogynist to a misandrist? The idea came up last week during a visit with a friend. He started tossing out a few what-if scenarios. I have no idea how the topic even came up, and I can't remember all of the what-ifs, but they were along the lines of, you know, what if the condom breaks? What if a guy finds out after a sexual encounter that the girl was underage? My response was, I... Just think that to protect yourself as a man, you shouldn't have sex with someone you don't know well enough to know their age, with certainty. But girls lie about their age all the time, he said. That's true. But guys often also choose to believe what they want to believe. Oh, she said she's old enough. But what if he didn't know? He shouldn't have to check her ID. If she lies, she's responsible. Well, it's a joint responsibility. If you're the adult, you know that there are consequences for having sex with a minor. Ideally, you do whatever it takes to be the responsible one. And if you're in doubt, err on the side of caution. Maybe that's difficult to do in the moment, and I get it. I know it's human nature to trust and believe what we want to believe. But women have been told forever that it's our responsibility to gatekeep sexual liaisons. But the reality is that men are usually physically stronger. We've all been in situations where we thought we had to just go along with it. And if you're a grown man, is it unreasonable to expect you to exercise reasonable caution about whose body you're putting your body inside? You're ultimately responsible for where you put your dick. Basically, that's what I was saying. What about an unexpected pregnancy? What if a man deliberately removes a condom during sex? Should the woman have the right to an abortion, even if the man doesn't want her to have one? Should he have the right to force her to have his baby if he wants it and she doesn't? I think the right to choose should be the woman's. But she let him have sex with her, so it's her fault. Yes, But the man put something inside her body. He gave it away, so now it's part of her body. The caveat to that is, I would actually hope that the nature of the relationship with the sperm donor is such that the two of them can come to an agreement. Ideally. But we all know this world is never ideal. And these things are never black and white. Then, he says, what if she says she's on birth control, but she's lying? Shouldn't the man be allowed to decide whether she has an abortion? No. He chose to trust her, 
and he put the jizz into her body. Ideally, again, the two of them should be able to discuss and come to an agreement, but at the end of the day, it's her body, not his. But she lied, he said. I agree, that's terrible, and people shouldn't do that. But sometimes we trust people we shouldn't trust, and they betray us, and we end up paying consequences, horrible consequences. How many women trust a partner and experience domestic violence or even death? I'll tell you how many. In Canada, 184 women were killed by an intimate partner in 2022. Canada doesn't have a huge population. We understand that there are consequences to misplaced trust for all of us. It's not fair, is it? Nope, but life isn't fair. I personally know of two men who have been expressly betrayed this way. And I know of a third man who is a friend of a friend. I'm sure I know more men whose personal lives I just don't know well enough to actually know that they were betrayed. So believe me, I think it is a terrible thing to betray someone deliberately like that. It is. It's immoral. It's unethical. But that's why I say again, The man has to take responsibility for where he puts his dick because the consequences can be huge. Another human being? It doesn't get any bigger than that. Well, maybe other than death. Add to that the ongoing fight to roll back access to abortion in the U.S., for example. If you're in Texas, Oklahoma, and a whole number of other states, and someone accidentally or deliberately gets pregnant with your child, you can agree on an abortion till the cows come home, but you're not very likely going to legally get one, certainly not unless you can afford to travel out of state for it. They'll let women die, or almost die, before they'll even do medically required abortions. That just goes to show you how much some of the legislators value a woman's life. And if you don't agree with your partner, do you actually think the law should force a woman to get an abortion against her will? What would the burden of proof for the betrayal even look like? Do you think the ruling would come fast enough to actually enforce the abortion? It's just very, very muddy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Then there was another what if. What if you're responsible 
You used a condom, and the woman fishes the condom out of the garbage bin and uses your sperm to get herself pregnant. Should she be forced to have an abortion? And if she doesn't have an abortion, should the man be forced to financially support the child? Ugh, I hesitated and made a face at that one because I was thinking, what are the odds of that happening? But of course, have you seen people? Anything is possible. I'm sure it's been done. Some people are that diabolical. Why were we even having this conversation? This was all going through my head as I hesitated. And then he goes, aha, before I had a chance to respond. You hesitated. That proves that you're sexist. Ha. No, it doesn't, I said. It's not black and white. If she ends up having a baby, that child needs to be taken care of. Nope, he insisted. It is black and white. She should get an abortion. It's just a clump of cells. And if she won't, he should not have to support the child. Uh, okay. But if she chooses not to get an abortion or can't get access to an abortion, even if she wants one, and the clump of cells grows into a full-term baby, a completely helpless human being, I think he should still help support the baby, his child. This is a human being. No way, this guy insisted. He did the responsible thing. He used a condom. He disposed of the condom. There's no way he could possibly have anticipated that she would do that. Ah, uh, yeah, I agreed. It would be highly unlikely that someone would do something like that. And if they did, it's a horrible thing to do. But law is not the same as morality. It's not the same as ethics. And the reality is, if a baby is actually born, that baby needs to be taken care of. He doubled down. Not his responsibility. Okay, then, I said. Maybe the state should be responsible. No, not the state. The mother. Yeah, well, you can say that, but the reality is that a lot of women who have babies are not well equipped to take care of them without any help. Access to childcare isn't readily available everywhere. It isn't affordable. We have a big problem with housing insecurity. It's hard to financially afford to raise a child alone. Then she shouldn't have gotten pregnant. Yeah, I agree. Subterfuge and betrayal are heinous. I do not think any child should be born to parents who don't both truly want them or who don't have the ability to properly take care of them. But once that innocent, helpless human being enters the world, he or she needs to be taken care of. Would you want your child raised by a woman who would do that? She's got some major issues if she would do something like fish a used condom out of a bin and self-inseminate. Which is why men need to be very careful where they distribute their jizz. Then Abe weighed in. Well, he did the responsible thing. Yes, I agree. But once a human being exists, a completely helpless, innocent infant, that person needs to be housed and fed and loved and cared for. Someone has to do it, and it takes a village. As my mother would say, if you're worried about something like this, keep your pecker in your pocket. Whew! I did not persuade this guy, and that's fine. I don't expect him to change his mind. 
But what this conversation, as much as it seemed kind of unlikely and ridiculous, did, it made I ruminated on that conversation afterward, even though the scenarios were ridiculously unlikely. Am I sexist? Do I not respect the rights of the man in these situations? And I actually thought about it long and hard. And I don't think it's sexism. I thought about the challenges with even who should financially support children after a divorce and for how long. Canadian law more or less stipulates that child support must be paid until the children are, I think, 25 years old if they're full-time students. Not by the father necessarily, but the formula is supposed to be based on custody and income. If one parent has primary custody, the non-custodial parent is supposed to pay based on his or her income, assuming they have an income. In cases of joint custody, the agreement might be that the parent with the higher income has to pay some prorated amount. They're also supposed to prorate the amount of payment for things like orthodontics or extracurricular activities. And the intent of the law is to be fair to the children and to ensure that parents don't negotiate away the rights of the children, the right to a lifestyle similar to what they had before the divorce. But in practice, I know it doesn't always work equitably. For example, I know of one guy who had to pay close to half his take-home salary for children who although he was legally allowed to see them, had been so poisoned against their father by their mother that they refused to see him. From what I understand, they attended post-secondary school just enough. They got just enough hours to ensure that dad had to pay mom the money until their mid-twenties, and he was not a high-income earner. This caused years of financial hardship for that guy, and it did seem to be incredibly unfair. I also know of a woman whose ex earned about $200,000 who paid child support based on less than half of his actual income for three years, then managed to get it dropped entirely once the two eldest children were over 18, even though they were full-time students. He never paid for orthodontics, extracurriculars, tuition, rent, books, The mom made about half what the dad made, which was pretty decent money still. But she also ended up working part-time jobs when her children were in university because she didn't want her children to graduate with debt. Now, apparently the dad wrote the children a few checks directly, but who knows? They could have been spending that on clothes or booze. He wasn't paying the tuition bills and he wasn't paying the rent. I know of another woman who had evidence of her ex working under the table. She actually gathered the evidence while he was collecting benefits and paying $25 a month in child support. She was very financially strapped. She was making quote-unquote woman pay. Back in the day, women just didn't make enough money in most jobs to financially support a family, so she pursued trying to raise his child support payments. Surely the judge would enforce a payment order based on the evidence. Surely the judge might even follow up and redirect the benefits fraud to whatever department handles that. Not the case. The judge just said he didn't have enough evidence to make that guy help support his children. Oh, poor baby. So 
It very often is a case of who has the best lawyer or who's willing to fight or who knows whom in the legal community. Men and women very often think the law works against their gender, but I think family law is just a blunt instrument that doesn't necessarily work very well for most people. Imagine adding laws where men would have the opportunity to force an abortion or a birth. How would that even work? I I sincerely would love life to be fair to everyone, but it isn't. So I don't think it's sexism on my part, but rather an understanding that women can't spread their eggs around and indiscriminately risk accidentally creating a human life in someone else's body. We are only capable of conceiving a few days out of every month for maybe half of our lives. Nobody can get me pregnant, and for some women, not even that. I also understand the difference between growing a baby in my body, going through labor and delivery, and that's not even with the surgery of a cesarean if you have complications— I understand postpartum healing with its emotional, hormonal fluctuations, breastfeeding a baby. I understand the difference between all of that and an ejaculation. Becoming a parent is physically just less demanding for men. And that's a fact. Don't get me wrong. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, and sometimes I dodged really dire consequences. I've dodged rape. I've dodged death. I've dodged... I, we all used to drunk drive in the 70s. I've dodged killing other people by getting home unscathed after doing that. I cannot imagine how it would feel to be in any of the what-if scenarios that came up that night. But I'll tell you this, if I had a son, I would definitely counsel him to be very, very careful where he puts his dick and who he trusts with his DNA, because the consequences of a moment's misjudgment are just too high. I wonder if my daughters will let me counsel their sons with this information. We'll see. Thank you for listening. If you have anything you'd like to share, email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. I do hear from people who ask me not to share their emails on the podcast, and I respond to them directly. So if you'd like to do that, that's okay too. Please stay safe, and maybe take your used condom home with you. I never even thought of that. I'll be back next week. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. 
juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 